I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Welcome back to Align Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. Today's beautiful episode, I got to have an absolute legend in the world of Olympic weightlifting, Mr. Jersey Gregorick. Uh, Jersey, I learned about him through Mr. Tim Ferriss. I would recommend going over and checking out their conversation as well. Um, really, really amazing man. Uh, his wife, Anyella, also amazing woman. They work together with clients. Uh, they write books. They live a beautiful life in the Bay Area. And I got to go up and spend uh, spend the afternoon with these two beautiful people. So really beautiful. And uh, we're going to be doing a part two as well. So look forward to that. In this conversation, we get into his experience with the, uh, the solidarity movement in Poland and how he was almost tortured and killed there, uh, fasted for 10 days straight, nothing but uh, coffee and cigarettes, I'm told, and just really interesting interesting history with that. Um, get into Olympic weightlifting, get into self-care, get into physical inhabitants. So really fantastic conversation. Here's a little clip. The muscle grows and the nervous system adapts throughout time. So if you do a little bit uh, tears in the body, the body will heal it, will build more muscle, and it can do it on weekly, daily basis. Thank you so much for tuning in to the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you can get show notes and you can start the five-day movement challenge, start breaking down some movement fundamentals to integrate into your daily experience. Um, a little quote that I have from Mr. Jersey Gregor himself goes a little bit like this, hard choices, easy life, easy choices, hard life. Ain't that the truth? Really beautiful. Hard choices, easy life. Easy choices, hard life. Beautiful stuff. Um, thank you so much for leaving us reviews on iTunes. Greatly appreciated. And thank you so much for utilizing the Amazon affiliate link on the right-hand sidebar of the podcast page, linetherapy.com slash podcast. When you buy crap, that is a simple, easy, free way to support this podcast. Costs you nothing and uh, takes about 7% of your purchase. Sends it our way to Podcast Foundation. All right, that is a wrap. Here we go. Back to the show. Jersey Gregorick. I hope you guys absolutely enjoy this conversation. Chicka chicka boom pow. Align podcast. You somehow uh, have to flow, yeah? Yeah. So to in order to flow, even you know the weightlifter with three hundred pounds still flows. Flows through through space. And then that flow has to be uh, uh, found and that flow actually is efficiency of the athlete. So the more efficient athlete, of course, the better athlete. So when you really watch trajectory of uh, of the uh, best weightlifters, they are extremely efficient. So that should be probably the same for sprinters and pole vaulters as well yeah. as any kind of athlete. The thing that I think is really interesting is the, the connection of the way that you move in your body and the way that you perceive the world and the way that you feel emotionally and the way that you, you know, approach relationships or business transactions. Have you noticed any kind of connection with 
as you stabilize your body or find connection or support or uh, power, strength, any of that in your body, have you noticed a connection with that with yourself or with working with, with other people, or does that sound wacky? Well, we no, I don't think, we, we're just happier, you know. <laughs> we are happier when uh, we are efficient. So when, when you do what you do and you get better, then we are happy because of it. So, uh, but we figured it out how much to push. So the progress kind of is important element here. So uh, if you if you do anything and you progress, the next day you are happy about yourself that actually you do something that contributes to better you on a daily basis, monthly and yearly. Yeah. Mm. So if you incorporate this kind of uh, system that makes you better over time. That's just amazing because it sets you uh, in a uh, place where you are you cannot be depressed really because everything is kind of working for you. It's a depression is a kind of uh, you you don't like something or you don't get something and then uh, you know or you you simply age and you feel the signs of aging. And it's depressing of course for everybody but if you uh, age and also you get better over time on daily basis, on daily basis you have to somehow feel it. Somehow feel it that whatever you are eating, whatever you are exercising contributes to better you over time. If it does, mm. it's beautiful and amazing. And also that self-esteem somehow contributes to the business, like you said, to anything what we do. We walk differently. If you are you know, satisfied, if you are strong, if you uh, do whatever you do and that contributes to better you, then you walk, uh, like like I say, you walk like a king, like you, <laughs> you own right. the city, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's exactly, um, that's exactly how it should be felt. So if you, if you don't have that feeling, it means that, you know, it's time for changes. Or you know to create that that feeling uh, to do something to find the tools that actually contribute to such a thing, such a progress, or uh, where micro progression to contribute to adaptation, and that adaptation is is clear seen how it happens. Hmm. So, is there any like three or four, two or five movements that you think everyone needs to be practicing on a daily basis, maybe like every morning or every night, or is there any kind of like schedule that you put people, I mean, I know there, that there is, but is, is there anything that we could talk about of like a few movements everybody should have established before they go out into the world, or is that? Well, it must be, you know, a lot of movements uh, different than I know, but uh, in weightlifting there is one movement and static movement, the movement that doesn't require skills. And that mov that movement is the crown of the happy body. That's the squat press. Yeah, squat press is a very interesting move because you have the, you have the dumbbells or, or bar in your hands and then you squat, you press while sitting on your calves in a way and you stand up with straight press and stand up with your arms and then lower the bar or dumbbells down. That movement 
is uh, um, is a challenge move for almost every joint of the body system. Yeah, well, so your ankles have to be very flexible. Your Achilles, you know, your your knees, your hips, your hamstrings, whole spine has to arch very nicely. Your shoulders, your pectoral, everything has to be flexible in order to create the movement. Also, the shoulders have to be strong and the hips as well. So you have almost everything that you need in the daily basis uh, of your life. So if you want to put the luggage on something, you have the strength of the shoulders. <laughs> if you want to run fast, you have it. If you want to squat and stand up, yeah. Or it's almost uh, everything needed. But this is a static exercise. It's an uh, exercise that requires just flexibility and you can build strength. But once you are really good in that exercise, you can easily transfer yourself to Olympic weightlifting and do snatches. And you will do those snatches right away, boom. Because the body is ready. If, if you ask the body to do something where the body has a limitation, there is no uh, ready, it's not ready for flexibility for that movement, the body will never know, do it, no matter how smart you are. So the body has to have these capabilities. So if you go on a wave, you're a surfer, the body will respond very fast to everything what the wave is doing to to the board. And and your legs will respond very fast to it and will communicate. Your brain is too slow for it, but the body has to be ready for it. It's like I'm on a balancing board and I will do snatches. If I do snatches on the balancing board, there is no way that I can control anything. The body, the, the legs are doing things I could never even predict. It's impossible to control. But that body is already there, right? The body is already there. So the, you can train so that body is better. And then when it's transformed to uh, such sports like uh, skiing or, or skateboarding or the surfing, so it, it, it can only give you as much as, as the uh, flexibility is there, coordination and, and speed and so on, but no more than actually is. Hmm. Yeah, there's, um, I feel like, like for so many people, it's, it's, it's learning how to get out of the way of yourself, you know, and even if you could look at like the flexibility, like if you were to anesthetize someone, you know, or put them, put them under uh, with, with anesthesia, they all of a sudden they have this incredible range of motion, right? But our bodies, our nervous system pr is continually protecting our, our, our joints, our ligaments, our tendons, because it doesn't really feel like we have the intelligence to go into those movements but if you start to slowly kind of like you could think of your nervous system as like a protective mother if you slowly start to prove to her that you can be trusted to go into that overhead range of motion or go into that deep squat or go into that whatever it may be all of a sudden it starts to kind of allow you to wander a little bit more but most of us are just stuck in kind of disbelief of ourselves yeah, well, it's also scary, you know, like uh, yeah. there's a combination of the uh, fear and uh, flexibility, possibility, right? So uh, I met this uh, ballet dancer in about maybe 20, 25 years ago, and she told me, if you could really relax your brain so well, yeah, that uh, it would be completely let go, you could actually do all the splits and things within a week or two, yeah. right? But 
that's the flexibility. But there is also uh, also strength of that dynamic strength of that place where flexibility is. Let's say uh, you know a snatch. You know I I snap into the full squat and I am there. My flexibility is there, but it's a very weak place. Yeah, so my brain will get scared if if that flexibility is not supported by strength. Right. So actually I can snap there and I can uh, hold 200 pounds above my hand, head and then the hips uh, will adapt itself and hold, right? Yeah. So if that, that flexibility, the strength is there to support that. So uh, the movement can happen. So I, um, I see like uh, snatching is like landing uh, on a airplane carrier, <laughs> you know, you boom, boom, and you're there, right? right. So, so it's the same thing. You snatch, you uh, lift the bar to a certain height, and you snap under and block. So the less you pull, the better weightlifter you are, really. The, the gap is very narrow. Mm. So efficiency is there. To train that, I jump from the bottom, from the if I go into the squat position, I sit on my calves and I jump from that to six inches box or four inches box up and down, but only from the squat position. So my hips adapt to the to the place. So the hips are ready. So so the brain will not get scared to jump under and block. Mm. Like you said, yeah. Well yeah. the brain is scared it will not go if you don't train this bottom position that is flexible and support the flexibility then you know the brain will it will be scared to go yeah. this is like a baby you know is flexible but it's not strong so the baby is uh, is is scared to to walk let's say because it's uh, the strength is not in the walk the strength is in the squat position so will stand up and sit very fast down because yeah. it's scared to walk. Yeah, I was listening to a thing on the actually on the drive up here. So right now we're at uh, your absolutely beautiful home in where the heck are we? We're in Southern Bay area. Probably, I don't it's know. It's the Peninsula, yeah. <laughs> the San Francisco <laughs> Bay area. <laughs> so on the way up here, um, I was listening to this thing about. Uh, I think it's called ear bakvita. It's like some ear bakvita disease, some condition that. Um, that calcifies the amygdala, which is like the pain center of the brain, or not the pain, sorry, the, f the fear center of the brain. Uh -huh. And it causes people, if they have this condition, to just have complete inability to feel the sensation of fear. Wow. It's just non-existent to them. It's like, and, and so they, they interviewed a, a, a woman with it. She's really interesting, like faint voice. And uh, they're trying to like, you know, describe to her what it is or like do you have any and she's just like I have no and she's been like held at knife point and just all these things are just no access to <laughs> it you know and it's interesting with someone else that's on the other end of the spectrum where it's like they're afraid of everything you know and like where we all lie and when does fear something that's beneficial and when is it something that's holding us back well it it, it always in you know kind of in life is um, the balance between you know, or place between too much and not enough, right? So that's the whole thing that everybody is about. How much food, you know, is good and how much is not good, or how much exercise is good, how much is not. So uh, it's we always between this too much and not enough, and finding the balance is the masterpiece, really. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's just like with fear. Okay, you you 
I remember Wayne Dyer was saying, uh, okay, you know, fear is a fantastic thing. It's sometimes it just paralyzes you in the wrong places, but sometimes it's just really helpful. And he said, when you are in the front of the lift and the lift opens and there are two guys are there and you, don't, you have a bad feeling about that, you don't walk into that lift, right? right? So uh, we have to, you know, uh, have all the time this, uh, we bounce all the time between selection, between adapting, with adjusting. How much? How much is too much, how much is too much exercise and you break and you cannot recover. But how much is, you know, too little that you push and it's not enough to progress. Mm. And we constantly uh, between these two uh, measures. And then if we are, uh, if we know where is the measure, the middle ground, that's where we are the most, that we are the, you know, improve the, the fastest. Mm. Yeah. The, the role in softening the body or creating suppleness enough in the body to allow for new ranges of motion, I wonder, uh, I think sometimes we get, s- sometimes as in most times, we're, we're stuck in certain patterns. You know, and so if you teach someone a new lift or a new way of conversating or whatever it may be, they'll resort back to those old patterns. I wonder how the role of breath or meditation or like how do we get into kind of like those underlying layers of ourselves to start to create the space for new new movement. Well, it's uh, I can tell you about uh, the snatch and what happens in the snatch. Although it's a combination of the extreme flexibility, extreme relaxation. So it's like think about cheetah. Yeah, cheetah hits the ground, hits the ground, pow. Yeah, and flies. It's completely relaxed. Watch watch the movie. Completely relaxed and then flies through it, comes to the ground, and pow! Yeah. And it's just a split of the second is this where she becomes so hard, so tough, right? And then after that, whoo, and flies. And her legs, everything is just like, like, you know, not like a rocket, but just completely relaxed, like would be sleeping there. Mm. And then, um, so, it, Weightlifting is kind of the same thing. You lift and you drag this weight up, 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 up. It it takes longer than the cheetah. The cheetah is just like split of the second, mm. pound on the ground, and that's it. And then maybe it's like a second fly, yeah? But it's like uh, recovery is about 10, 3, 30 times, yeah, of the time. In weightlifting, you drag the bar up, 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 and then there is a time when the bar is thrown by the hips, flies up, and then the wheel weightlifter has to go down, has to go down, and has and the speed of his going down is in direct proportion to his relaxation. He cannot hold on. He has to be completely become like cheetah and snap under because he's completely relaxed. And then when it goes under to the deep squat, that is the pound again. He becomes solid and arms are locked, hips are locked, everything is locked. In the spine, everything is receiving the bar, which is but sometimes 300 pounds. And receiving the bar, done, yeah, received, then stands up, throws the bar down. Mm. So it's a combination of this extreme uh, pound 
and extreme relaxation. You probably can see in the uh, sprinters as well how they run, the, how they hit the ground. Yeah, the, the contact with the ground is so little. Yeah, during these ten seconds. So the you know how 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 much the somebody should really count what is the contact really. It's probably very little during these 10 seconds that is spent on time after the contact. Everything else is flying. It's this relaxation. Yeah, there was that. Have you seen like the, the slowed down footage or the first time that they got film of someone sprinting and like horses running and all this thing? And it's like, well, most of the time they're flying. Exactly. And people were like, no, there's something broken with the footage or whatever. It's like, oh, like we're like off the ground right. the majority of the time. It's just like, yeah. So you know when you uh, jump on boxes, you can do that. You know, uh, kind of slow motion jumping on boxes. So when you jump on boxes and you jump, let's say on twelve foot box, and then you know you jump on twenty four, and then you do three jumps. So the contact with the floor has to be less the higher you jump, because you the the pressure on the floor created propellers you up, but it has to be short in order to fly to, let's say, 40 inches box. Mm. So you, you have to put the power on, right, on the ground. This is the same, the, the, the uh, vertical jumpers or, or you know, pole vaulter, it's the same pressure. So the shorter, the more power up. Yeah, the, the inhibition part or the turning off or disengaging, that's that seems to be the more complicated part for people, I think culturally, maybe maybe everywhere. But it's that you'll see this when you like first learn to ride a bike or play the piano or anything. It's you're so stiff and tight and you're hitting too many keys, you know, but the really beautiful player is able to just ting tan 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 tan. You know, it's that it's that inhibition component that there's a time of learning skills, yeah, and then yeah. when we uh, not so sure, then we uh, too tight and uh, we don't flow. We really f start flowing when we have great skills, but it's a combination of, of the the skills and how far it is. So it's like you know when you are vertical jumper and you increase the height, your learning process becomes new again. So it's not the same. On a bike, you learn how to uh, how to ride, and you ride forever because you do not increase difficulties. But for uh, a weightlifter, three pounds more, it becomes a, like a new skills again. Yeah. It's because you have to develop again all these capabilities for that uh, demand. So we, uh, Paul Walter is the same story. He says you. You, uh, everything becomes new, mm. and it's amazing. You have to lear l learn again the whole process to that the, that way because it, that something happens there that you have to improve. Mm. Have you heard that uh, meditation is shown to um, increase fine motor control with people? Yeah, it can. Be, is is uh, meditation is like a, a you know. Weightlifter is a meditator because it's a kind of like a, when you go and you want to do those snatches. Sometimes, you know, when I compete, I I don't hear anything. 
even though the people were there and then scrims are there and so on, and I don't see anything. I found myself in uh, times that I lifted, finished the lift, and I didn't hear anything, I didn't see anything, and it kind of on my own dropped away too early before the judge told me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, sometimes uh, I was waiting and I didn't see anything, and I didn't see even the judge in front of me. It took me a while to get from this blank white page to actually see it. Mm. So it's completely internal lift or internal time zone where you are somewhere else, you're not on the podium. You come, you're on the podium. You and you you have your own ritual. How you're going to approach the bar, how you're going uh, to stand up and what you're going to do. But after when you start pulling the bar up, everything becomes something else. You you are somewhere else. You are not in the podium. You don't see anything. You don't hear anything. It's mm. so it's so fast and and internal. Yeah, can you tell a little bit about just like what your history with weightlifting or like some of the notable achievements that you've got in medals or like what's your background or any of that? Like well, where you come from with that? My weightlifting ha happened in Poland. I was 13 years old, and I um, I was short, so you know this is a really tough <laughs> time when you are short because right. uh, all yeah tall boys uh, just give you a really hard time. <laughs> They're much worse at weightlifting. Tall boys. Well, you know when you are in weightlifting. Um, the weightlifting team becomes like a team, so uh, you kind of protected by the the tall boys too. Right. <laughs> they can be 300, 400 uh, right. pounds boys. <laughs> that is even worse, yeah. But they can be your friends. <laughs> so if if they are your friends, then yeah, you have a green light. You know, nobody can touch you. You're untouchable. Right. You just imagine you're on a team of 40 guys like that. It's extremely powerful. That's yeah. uh, and everybody knows. So it's just if you're on a team, uh, that's it. It's just and also, you know, a team is something that uh, creates um, a family, kind of, mm. uh, and it, and it creates the family of of, of a fight, uh, and and together uh, trust each other and, and like each other and spend time together. It's like fi firemen too, you know, I was a fireman for nine years in Poland. And being a fireman was uh, a, a strange feeling. It was, uh, it was uh, such a good feeling, you know, to to be a fireman. Because it's just, gives you, it, it was giving me something that uh, I've never experienced anywhere else. So the first is just a, the being with people that you can count on. It's such a good feeling. Yeah. Just like ah, it's just it's a good feeling. You 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 can live life and and you live life uh, that that way that you are ready for anything. That you can be protected and you can be uh, uh, saved from anything. And you believe in such a thing, yeah. right? So um, so be, being a a fireman was was kind of like a, a weightlifter. But the fireman gave me. In the fire department, something else I felt. I've n I've never really uh, felt um, the uh, the other person and the other person needing me. 
and I've never been in that place in my brain. So the first time when I was, when we were driving to the fire, I realized that somebody needs me up there. It was amazing, you know. I was in the fire engine, and somebody needed me. And and when that feeling hit me, it was the most beautiful feeling I've ever had, you know. Until that time, I was maybe 19, 20, mm. and uh, what an amazing feeling! I I've never lost that feeling from. But I've never had it before. You see, like uh, I just lived that uh, way of life that I've never experienced such a thing, and so in in uh, in a weightlifting team, I had kind of the same uh, story because when we competed in Poland, it was just a, the team. There was there were leagues, and then competition was between the teams. So. Uh, how many points you were doing, there were 10 guys competing and nine best scores counted. And the team could uh, progress to another league or not, or win or something like that. So there was uh, also the, the element of progression. And then, um, so the accountability was strong there. And uh, um, the, uh, the weightlifting in Poland, when I was a, a weightlifter, I was uh, 23 years old, and my weightlifting was extremely good, was going up, and then I experienced this uh, injury that I experienced when I was um, uh, doing quarter squats and then loaded with 700 pounds on my body that I was 140 pounds. And my elf, I, lo I lost uh, uh, the brace of the uh, abdomen, and then I wobbled under the bar. And my L5 moved forward and, and bruised the spinal cord. And then, uh, and then slowly I went home and woke up, uh, you know, get, it, it didn't collapse completely, but, uh, I was able to go home, but I, in the morning I didn't feel my body, the legs. So, so the um, they did the you know the, the X-rays and things and so on, but didn't have the the feeling of the body. So uh, it was like this for about uh, two months that I didn't have the feelings. You couldn't move. You yeah. didn't feel. Yeah, the the I couldn't move the lower body. You were paraplegic for two yeah. months. Yeah, and then but the doctor said that. Uh, that I will uh, recover. That is not permanent. Yeah, there is something going on with the uh, the bruising, the spinal cord. So um, two months after, I start feeling my body, I start recovering slowly, and remo start moving and walking and so on. And but the recovery was very fast. I could recover very fast after. Mm. And then um, so after about a year. I came back to my lifts, and I was uh, I was in uh, uh, in Warsaw at the time, uh, in the fire department, uh, in the academy uh, of, of of fire academy, and, and studying for fire protection engineering. And then 
what what happened is that I uh, I trained at that time at the Warsaw uh, Physical Education Academy and um, started feeling the same situation that um, prone me to see doctors again and then you know, one doctor said you know if you keep going like that you will not uh, walk you know if it happens like uh, one more time it, it can really uh, uh, be permanent mm -hmm. so so I said okay well then it's time to say goodbye <laughs> to weightlifting so I did I did a lot of uh, uh, bodybuilding and mixture of bodybuilding powerlifting a little bit but not really uh, so uh, power exercise system as uh, Olympic weightlifting then I uh, came up uh, I was at the strike in Warsaw and that was the strike because of the solidarity movement and what happened to solidarity at that time could you tell a bit about the solidarity yes yeah, so what that was so it was uh, in uh, 1981, uh, government wanted to take the whole fire department and place it into the uh, military system. So um, when we heard that, that it would also change the for for us uh, the situation how the firemen could be used by the government. So before that, we were completely civilian uh, entity in the country. So we were, we wouldn't be able to be used for uh, demonstration, fighting with demonstrations and so on, using the fire engines as water power and coloring water and, you know, uh, pouring on demonstrants and then mm -hmm. finding them after. So there was no way. But if the law changed, that would be possible. Of course, that created a problem for firemen in the whole country. But we were the, at that moment the, the top of the uh, education system when it came to being firemen. So I was on the fourth uh, grade now, you know, just before the graduating. S and also I was the head of the, the students. The, there were 400 students firemen in the academy. So I uh, visited some uh, solidarity people and uh, tried to understand what what's going on and how to react to that. And uh, solidarity um, people at the academy, they just thought that it's impossible to do any strike, you know, or how to actually uh, react to that and, and how to uh, resist such a thing, such a change. But after about discussions and so on, we started, uh, uh, we went on a strike eventually because of the, some uh, uh, movements uh, against us were really radical, so we, we started the strike. And the strike was about 10 days until uh, December 2nd. So 10 days, I didn't sleep for 10 days. I didn't, th I only uh, smoked cigarettes <laughs> and drank coffee f 
for 10 days, lost 22 pounds during these 10 days. So the strike yeah. you weren't sleeping, that was? No sleeping. So, so you weren't allowed to sleep? No, no, it was so intense. It was uh, dealing constantly with police. The police uh, surrounded the, the academy, then the uh, the soldiers came and tanks came, uh, everything came. Whoa. So it's just, it was a really big deal. So, um, so dealing constantly with people outside, with the government and, and, and talks, negotiations, it was constant, constant 10 days. So after 10 days, I decided, well, I will go and take a nap. And I went, uh, it was this uh, room, quiet room, uh, near just uh, in the highest floor of the building. And I went there and I, I think it was uh, 10 or 8 a.m. Don't know exactly, but I uh, fell asleep, fell asleep for about 10 minutes, I think. And after 10 minutes, helicopters woke me up. They were landing on, on the roof and taking over the academy. So the, the special brigade, anti-terroristic brigade came and landed actually on the roof where I was after 10 minutes of, <laughs> of sleeping after 10 days. Wow. That was traumatic and uh, so, that ended the, the the strike. They took us down. Down, they drove tanks into the into the building. This is the, the fire department building. Yeah, fire department is academy. Yeah, so they they took us out, and then um, then uh, eleven days after the they attacked the government, attacked the whole country. But during these eleven days. We stayed at the Polytechnic, it's like MIT, in Warsaw Polytechnic School. That's where we ended up, mm. keep our strike. Because once they took the, the, the building out, they said the students are not there. So first, before that, they, uh, they stopped the, the existence of school by law. So there was no any more students inside. So they took the building by the force and uh, send us home. And then uh, if you wanted to go back, you would need to sign allegiance to the new academy hmm. with a different name. So hundreds of us didn't sign that. And so one, I was one of those. And uh, also I was on the, on the team of the, the strike. And, and then, you know, what happens, uh, what happened after we kept being on strike and I was, I was underground and then uh, for almost like three years. And during this, this time, I was, uh, I was underground with connection with uh, Jerzy Popiuszko, who was a priest, and he was martyred in 84. And that was very uh, difficult for Polish people. Losing Jersey was uh, huge. Uh, it was the, the light of love in the in the country. And then um, after, after that, really was just a time of uh, uh, adapting to, to, the, to the time. This is 84, this is five years before the whole Berlin War collapses, right? Mm -hmm. So this is very close. So I live in, I have the situation of being in a, in a place in a, 
uh, in Szczecin, where I'm safe because I knew this weightlifter who actually told me to leave the country. Otherwise, I, I would not. Uh, I would not survive there. Because if, if you killed. Yeah, I tortured and, and, and killed. And why, so would you, why would you be tortured and killed specifically? Because I was one of the leaders of the strike. And so that's, what it's, it's, that's, that's how it was. So he knew that the plan was yeah. to capture you, essentially? So they, they, uh, they required my presence at this, uh, at this police station, which had also the prison behind. And uh, once I... Uh, went there, I, you know, I was uh, waiting for my uh, call. It was just the waiting room, and uh, the door opened, and my friend came. Yeah, he was a weightlifter, and he he looked at me. He said, "Jersey, I said, what are you doing?" I said, "Well, you know, I said, what are you doing?" And he said, oh, "Well, I work here." So. So he became, during this time, uh, a policeman, lieutenant, I think he was now, and, and I was the other side, right? <laughs> so, and we look at each other strangely, and I said, okay, okay. And then he said, let me uh, find out what's going on with you. So he went, disappeared between these doors, came back, and he said, well, I cleared this for you today, but but you had to go and never come back here. And they said, what, what do you mean? I said, he said, well, um, I found out that if you, if you stay here, you would never come out of this building. Mm. And so I said, how do you know? And he said, oh, you were assigned to me. So he was going to be the one that's... Yeah. Well. So we look at each other. Jeez. Two weightlifters, right? In the past. And now caught in this political thing. And I said, okay. All right. All right. So thank you. And then I left. Mm. And about three months after, I left the country. Wow. So uh, couldn't leave the country because it was uh, it was the time when uh, I couldn't live with my wife because if we tried that that they could stop us at the border. So I said, "Well, I will go, and you will be my assurance that I can go." Right. So that's what we did, and my wife joined me in Sweden after about was about, about 10 months after. Hmm. But she was lucky. She uh, she was very lucky because she was the, her passport was rejected about three times and then she was able to bribe somebody in the in her work that actually was connected and then she got the passport. So it was it was uh, luck too. Do you have any idea where the weightlifter guy that was that was set to torture you is? I don't know. Days? Yeah, I don't know anything about him. Yeah, really. Find him on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs>
wanted to take a quick moment and thank our sponsor, Health IQ, for supporting this podcast. Health IQ is a life insurance company, not just any life insurance company. They focus their efforts towards people that are living healthy lifestyles. If you are a runner, cyclist, weightlifter, or just generally paying attention to the quality of food that you're eating, you should not be paying the same rate for life insurance. So you can jump on to Health IQ, like the letters IQ.com slash align to support the show and see if you qualify for one of their plans. One of the most gratifying feelings around is the awareness that your family is taking care of, even if you're not around. So Health IQ is nailing that. They are one of the fastest growing life insurance companies with over $5 billion in coverage, and they save their customers up to 33% on their plans. As I mentioned, the reason they can do this is because they take into account the quality of life you lead. If you're investing in your health, you should be acknowledged for that in your life insurance policy. It's exactly what Health IQ does for you. So see if you qualify, jump on to healthiq.com slash align. Health IQ is in the letters IQ.com slash align. Here we go. Back to the show. I, you know, I don't know what happened to, you know, <laughs> when 89 came, then I had a different life, right? So it's just completely, I was here and I, I remember the meetings in Poland. Nobody could predict that. 89 will come. Hmm. But, uh, you know, it came. It came, yeah, it came very fast. Uh, it's, it's amazing. The solidarity was a, was a great feeling. Another feeling that, you know, like uh, we've never, I've never experienced the feeling of, of the solidarity before so it was just a solidarity at that time it was 1881 and then it was underground but solidarity was just this feeling that uh, you feel so good you feel um, even though it's dangerous but you feel good you you feel like uh, one of many when you are on a bus you don't feel like you are a stranger you feel like one of the people on the bus that was solidarity and then whatever where, where you were at that time in poland that kind of feeling was everywhere it's all it's almost like uh, you know like, like a team like i said you know the, the team of uh, weightlifters or the team of firemen kind of like a team yeah oh now Coming back to uh, weightlifting, came to U.S. and then uh, in U.S. was the uh, so I went to uh, coach Olympic weightlifting. So I met Bob Heiss. Bob Heiss was uh, the president of Amer American Weightlifting Association. Very great family. He was the second in the family, and the third was his son. And he his son used to be a great weightlifter and he had a, uh, I think it was a car accident and and he wa became paralyzed from the bottom down. And really took really hard that situation. And, you know, I talked to Bob Ice and Bob said, Bob, you know, is there any work for uh, coaches, Olympic weightlifting coaches here? He said, 
No, all the Olympic weightlifting coaches that come from uh, Bulgaria and Poland, Russia, and they open uh, uh, metal shops and they fix cars and they do a pretty good job. <laughs> they know how to do those things. <laughs> well, I said, I don't want to go and, and do <laughs> such a thing, you know. And uh, so Bob said, well, maybe you like something like uh, something new that uh, it happens now in gyms and it's called personal trainer and uh, maybe you like it many coaches don't like it because you know it's kind of you work with uh, regular people so i said well you know maybe i will go and you know i don't want to fix cars so maybe i will just go and find that maybe i will like it so so I said, where is the gym? I said, it's about, I don't know, you know, the gyms around. Just go around and walk around and maybe you'll find something, you know. That's how it was. So I found the, the gym called Power, Power Source in Burbank. That was 87. And then I walked to the gym and it was a big gym. It's a bodybuilding gym. And, um, and there I, um, I talked to the owner. And Aram said, well, you know, I can, uh, I can hire you and give you $5 per hour and test if, you, uh, if you're okay with that or not. And if you do, then you will have private lessons and then, uh, then you will stay. But if not, you will have to go. So I said, what should they do? And Aram said, I don't know. <laughs> it kind of help people, you know, whatever whatever they uh, want, then you you will help them. I said, what do they want? And he said, you know, some, some of them, they will want to get stronger or flexible. You know how to do, you know, all those things in weightlifting you did. I said, okay, so, all right. <laughs> so I Aram said, well, sometimes they all have pain. So, you know, you went through all the injuries too, you know, so you know how to deal with this stuff. I said, okay, well, we'll try. So um, next day, you know, I started my work. So I had five hours, paid $5 per hour in there. And then um, people were coming in. And people uh, uh, had different uh, uh, needs, you know. When I talked to them, they, you know, some of them they had pain, some of them they wanted to lose weight, some of them they gained, wanted to gain muscle and become, you know, strong, and some of fast and you know, all kind of really needs, yeah. So uh, I faced everyone and uh, work with everyone separately and then try to, you know, help them. And it looked like I was doing a really good job because uh, about, you know, a month after or two, I had a lot of private sessions and eventually in about half a year, I had about 50 clients there and working 50, 60 hours a week, all on the private, I didn't have really uh, any hours that I would spend in the gym, not private. Very successful and making, you know, some money and saving money. And then uh, what would happen then is that uh, uh, I wanted to get a better deal. So 
<laughs> the, the gym was uh, giving me 60% and and uh, I train mostly, you know, everybody in the gym. So I thought that it would be nice if they, after a year, they would give me the deal for 75%, 25 <laughs> And And uh, I talked to uh, to Jimmy, Jimmy was the manager. Jimmy, no, no, we don't do things like in America like that. Uh, I said, Jimmy, you know, uh, why not? You know, like if I stay in the gym with everybody around here, then you make a lot of money anyway. But if I go somewhere, Jimmy, look at me. If you go somewhere, you mean you go somewhere? I said, if you want to go somewhere, you go. We'll see. I said, okay. So I came home, talked to Anila, and Anila said, well. What do you think? I said, well, I don't know. So we had this $2,000. It's like, it's amazing to, you have some reserves, you know, like you need you need to live the life like a stoic, you know, like um, Tim was, you know, talking about the stoics. But the stoic, for me, is a kind of like you are ready for anything. But you you don't wait, you build something. You, you, you build before uh, you are asked to actually have it. So you're building. So I was building too. I was saving money. I didn't know what else should I do. So after a year, I saved $2,000. And I had $2,000 saved. And then we lived in this place that we paid $300 a month. And it was in Burbank. So it was pretty good. We could live for almost half a year, right? <laughs> Without food, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, Overrated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> so, um, I said, all right. So, we, you know, to progress, we have to go. So, uh, I found the gym in, in North Hollywood, and the gym was a uh, really cool gym, Lancashire, uh, Lancashire Club or something. And then I went there talk to the owner the owner said okay if you want to come with your people you come they pay the membership and it's done you take whatever you do with them it's you take 100 percent, 100 percent. wow so that was cool yeah so i talked i talked to all my clients and decided that at the certain time i go january 1st new gym here it is if you go you come if not not that's it I would, that's that's the way Every client of mine moved to the new gym. Oh, well. I had 100%. It was like shocking for me. Like I had 100%. Wow. <laughs> From, you know, 60% to 100%. Almost like, uh, you know, a double. So I called Jimmy, but he hung up on me. You know? I, said, I said, Jimmy, thank you. Wow. He does it. Boom. <laughs> out. <laughs> so I was, um, I was in the gym. And I was, uh, you know, working from that time until today. So that was 80, end of 87. So 88 until today, almost 30 years, yeah? And and creating the happy body system. But also competition came back to me. In, in 90s, I was getting stronger in the squat and and. And I, Anila said, maybe we should start, you know, going into weightlifting and do the, uh, start competing in the master division, yeah? So master division shifts in f when you are 35, then the records go down, and then from the, all the weightlifting is uh, set up by ages, so it, 
it happens with schoolboys. They go from 12 to 14, 14 to 16, and then junior juniors from 16 to 18, and then from 18 to 35, senior division, and from 35, master division. So we check the records. Records are tough, yeah? So uh, not easy, <laughs> nowhere. We train for about four years to to catch up with uh, with the world, wherever the world was at that time, and started uh, going to nationals. My back was, you know, I had to be careful with my back, you know, even today. Then I discovered something else that, that uh, I I get the spinal stenosis as well. So this is the narrowing the the spinal canal that the bone. Uh, grows inside and the start pushing on your nerves. So that added to <laughs> my problem. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's a, uh, it requires a lot of wisdoms to work with the body that has weakness somewhere. But you can work around and make that uh, weakness. Uh, so that's what I learned in the last 30 years when I, or, you know, for that time, like about 10 years or 15 years before I competed, that when you work on the weakness, where the weakness is in the body, even like I had a lot of clients with tear, like labrum tear, they, it, it, even one inch, one and a half, you could completely restore the body. Mm -hmm. You could work on the surrounding muscles and surrounding um, surrounding ligaments and tendencies and improve the joint without uh, affecting the, the weakness, without making the weakness weak. We actually, we make the whole thing very strong around. And that's why stability can return. And actually, you can lift a lot of more than actually before, even though the, the labrum tear were there, was there. It was just amazing. Mm -hmm. So I started working with the, my body the same way. And uh, started improving, improving my uh, my powers, and I was able to come to about eighty percent, maybe seventy-five, eighty percent what I could do when I was in twenty-three, and now I was forty-three, something like that, and started competing in uh, international and national championships here in U.S. And after, uh, so I came uh, in nationals second or third, and then went to Pan American Games, and then World Championship in Canada, game second, very close to actually the the, the power of the uh, of the world at that time. Mm. Went to ninety seven, ninety seven in Poland it was an amazing competition because this is the the place around where I competed twenty years ago before that. So that was the last competition place where I competed in Poland. And it was the same, the World Championship, it was the same place in 97. So I competed there in 77, and then it's 97, 20 years after. Cool. <laughs> so it's really cool. So um, at that competition, uh, I came first. And it was the first championship that I actually won. And I was standing there and it was the Polish anthem. The Polish coaches coached me with, with Americans. There. <laughs> it was really amazing. Mm. And there was a, 
you know, uh, in Poland, I'm standing there, a lot of friends are there because uh, they are weightlifters. Do uh, I knew they knew me before, and and then I I am standing as the you know American anthem is is on. Yeah, so I'm standing there in Poland. It was it was very very powerful uh, moment in my life. I get these tears in my eyes and uh, very emotional time and uh, you know that if you stand on the the world podium one day you kind of does something and doesn't do anything <laughs> it's just like you it's just just uh, but it does something uh, for your mind but on a daily basis after is uh it adapts to uh, very fast to the normal life. Hmm. Yeah, right. It's it's just the the drive that before that you are on for many 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 years. It's it's just uh, when it happens. After that, it's just releases very you know nicely and and um, and, and 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 you know it's. It gives you motivation for another one, another one, and, and we started really going to championships, and and I went to uh, three more, won three more championships. I was at Sydney, and and uh, and I was uh, in Scotland uh, in '99, won that one too. What did uh, you lift in Poland? Hmm? What did you lift in Poland? What was the the weights that you did? Oh, Koshalin, Koshalin. It was the city in Koshalin. Now, what did you lift? How much? How much weight? Oh, it was ninety-five kilos snatch, and uh, so it was ninety-five kilos snatch, and one, one ten or one fifteen was the clean and jerk. Mm -hmm. So I was forty-three. Yeah, forty-three, cool. and. My records on 23 was uh, 115 and 145, so very in the same class because I was 60 a kilo class, 62 kilo class. Right. So very very close. When you're training around injuries like the like the spinal stenosis or the L5, you know, and the things that you were working with, was it, is there any kind of special guidance that you would give people? to be thinking about as far as like how to correctly work around an injury like that? So the uh, decompression is very important. So um, as weightlifters, we were decompressing the spine uh, every, uh, after every workout. So uh, we had boots and you hang, mm. and the other uh, technique was to walk on the spine. So uh, it a weightlifter has to lay down on the stomach and then you put one hand one leg on the and one foot on the uh table and the other one you were you were standing actually uh, pushing on the hips and the other one you gently you move and you it, it, it takes uh, a lot of uh learning process to know how much to push how on the spine, but the spines were really snapping very nicely. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. sometimes you know, I push and it was just like, uh, but five, six adjustments, 
like this. It's just like the spine was ready to go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> really nice. Uh, but when um, to to work with injuries, that especially joints injuries and uh, and it tears, uh, the body doesn't like too many repetitions. So if it's the problem is in the joint, the body likes uh, one repetition. Uh, two, three, but the more you do, the more the body becomes, you know, sore, becomes uh, the the pain is increasing. The other the other way is like I created this uh, uh, progression that you you do the progression of the weight. Let's say you do forty sets of one, yeah, with the one thing that you want to improve and let's say it's a, a squat press and you do only one every uh, one minute and you do perfect form and you do only one press every one minute the joints really like that system mm. so i gave i gave stuart mcgill that system his hip was uh, uh hurting him and then uh, i gave him the system he said do the 20 20 squats every one minute and just do that and he did and he restored his hip so um so the sometimes i i do the 40 of one 40 so because it's 40 minutes it's really a 40 minutes workout is really good and you do one thing for 40 minutes hmm. so but every one minute so you can and you can progress within this let's say you can press only 100 pounds squat press and stand up so you start with 45 and you 10 of those and then you do 10 with uh, with 80 and then you do 10 with uh, 100 and then you drop to 60 and you do last 10 with 60 so it's a little bit progression up and then drop down so you, you touch the maximums but not for a long time the press squat, it takes probably about 10 seconds, 10 to 15 seconds. So it's like kind of a sprint that you do the sprint and then you uh, you recover, you rest. So you put the bar back after 10, 15 seconds. When you finish, you put the bar back on the rack and you rest until the another bus come in when the minute is ended and the other second minute is starts. So you t take again and then go back and you do another repetition and another until you you do 40. Mm. and in that situation you increase a lot of power of the body and the strength is following you have uh, you train more like a sprinter mm. you sprinters can train let's say coming out of blocks for you know coming out of blocks and and they will slow down after 20, 30 yards right away. So just coming out of blocks is important. So that takes about three seconds, right? But the rest could be rest about what, one minute or three minutes between. So, so the, the more power you uh, exert, the more you need to rest. So a sprinter like uh, Usain Bolt would probably rest two, three minutes to get another one because he's coming out of block takes everything what he has yeah and if he works on 100 percent that it will take probably two three minutes to restore so he can go and repeat another coming out of blocks 
the uh we gotta we gotta wrap up because there's there's food to be eaten and, and yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's good <laughs> but i wanted to i wanted to ask just one thing so right now we're, we're i was kind of making fun of myself with how i'm like sore right now so i'm kind of like hobbling around your house which is not something I, I don't really love the feeling of being sore i try not to be sore you know ever pretty much and uh i'm curious your perspective one of the things i read in the happy body book was um being too obsessed with like hypertrophy training or weightlifting sometimes we can end up kind of moving around the world kind of like stiff and inflamed because we're always in this state of soreness which can kind of take away from our ability to have grace with our movement as well do you maybe i'm misspeaking maybe i didn't read that exactly but but this is something along those lines of of um i'm curious your perception on for one thing do we need to to get to the point of being really store, sore and like stiffened in order to create gains? Well, like you know, um, it's, it's just what you prepare, how you prepare the body for what actually, yeah? So um, if you have the uh, point of reference, then it's easier to coach the body and train the body, yes? So um, if I want to snatch 200 pounds let's say then i have to jump on boxes to this to this uh, level i have to do the squat with this weight i have to pull this weight to that level so i'm achieving certain numbers and i'm not uh, exaggerating in any way so preparation actually the body for the final thing like a snatch or a clean and jerk requires a lot of uh, achieving a lot of small numbers around mm. but these numbers are kind of uh, when you achieve them pretty good let's say like clean and jerk is you should squat 127 percent with uh with the clean and jerk so if you want to do clean and jerk your squat should be 127 percent so if you if you uh want to clean and jerk 100 pounds you should squat 127 pounds mm. uh, back squat and uh, if you don't then uh, then you have to be more skillful but that puts you into danger of of uh, affecting your joints that could be not ready first you can let's say you can clean but you cannot stand up right because you are too weak the legs are too weak so you're fast you are technical but you cannot stand up i was a weightlifter kind of like that so I was extremely fast, but uh, weaker. So I had to work on my strength to catch up with other things. But I knew what, where to catch up. See, so, so in a way, you have to know what you are improving and for what. So in weightlifting, we have it. So uh, I exactly the numbers you can follow and so on. But if you do certain things like uh, uh, gymnastics, let's say, so you really don't know how much to push and where unless you have certain skill that you train the skills and they they have it but when you are really on the top you just want to make the skill uh, as nobody has ever done yeah difficulties is increasing so in weightlifting what is increasing is just the poundage yeah pounds are going up and in gymnastics, what's going up is the difficulties of the skills. That's uh, how it works. So here is how much to how much to push 
you need to be very connected to the skill that you are improving or if you are improving numbers that you have to be connected to all those numbers that you're improving and know how much really you need for that skill yeah. and in numbers you can you can have it so uh, like we talked before at the beginning is that uh, there are athletes that they work with numbers and the athletes that they they fight the other athletes, yeah? Like all the games and, and tennis is the whole uh, athletics that uh, uh, that doesn't require so much, uh, doesn't have the numbers, clear numbers. But sprinters and swimmers and weightlifters and runners, they have all numbers. So they know exactly how to improve those num numbers and what to do and where's the safety thing with fighting other people like boxers they don't know really uh, or football players how how much more they need to get better right. where is it so that's why i think olympic weightlifting can be very helpful here because you know when we i remember coach uh, uh, wrestlers in in warsaw so the wrestlers were very powerful but they they were about 80 percent of power of a weightlifter right so you can you can set it up let's say football player okay and the position of the football player can be related to olympic lifts let's say uh snatch or clean and jerk you know what is the percentage of that football player that is needed the most but no more because otherwise it becomes more olympic weightlifter and not football player it doesn't right. have so much time yeah right. so when you, when you establish these numbers it's easier to train these athletes for that particular uh, powers and quarterback of course uh, will be different trained than linebacker or whatever yeah so they the, the depends of the positions but the safety could be found in the in the relating to the olympic weightlifting and training for a particular lift that they are really power lifts because you know after all the all athletes are a combination of the skill and power yeah and uh, how much time in if i want to grow gets stronger say s stronger specifically how much time do i need to be spending being sore and stiff or do i not need to be sore and stiff to get stronger well that should be no more than a week a week in what a week that you are sore and then you have certain soreness that you get from training and you know it's like you're too sore like you cannot walk downstairs because you did squats yeah yeah so i i had this yeah <laughs> but, but, this right now. <laughs> but 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 when it when it's gone all right or you know you keep squatting and and you um you are not sore less sore that shouldn't be anymore at that level so it means you keep squatting throughout the time and even for five years and you shouldn't have this kind of soreness you had before you can have very little but that's it so micro progression yeah. micro progression uh, progress of course progress but not too fast and not too much if you do too much you will be you know too sore and you will do too much tears to the body yeah. the body the muscle grows and the nervous system adapts throughout time so if you do 
a little bit uh, tears in the body, the body will heal it, will build more muscle, and it can do it on weekly, daily basis. But if you do too many tears, the body will be so sore that you will not be able to lift for, you know, 10 days, yeah? So that's just too much yeah. of the soreness. So it's that uh, if you want to save, and that will take you longer, actually, because you are not able to squat. It's just too sore. Right. You cannot be really sore and and improve. So that, that soreness has to be sp spread throughout the time. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is sometimes I see people, you can see someone that just lifts weights or does, you know, kind of like the traditional bodybuilding type workouts or, you know, CrossFit sometimes is a culprit of this where you'll see people maybe moving in kind of like a stiff, stiff not very graceful way and i think a part of that is because they're they're spending so much time being sore and so much time not being really able to practice any degree of grace in their body because they're just in this breakdown mode and then you know months or years later it's like well, you never practiced grace you just grinded and now you have this kind of big huge stiff borderline useless body yeah you can useless. it picks heavy stuff up but it's not like it cannot get better, you know. Yeah. It's like you, you know, if you're sorry, you you really cannot get better. Right. So this micro progression has to be uh, implanted. That you, uh, that's why usually the the training uh, plan of a weightlifter doesn't change. It changes about every six eight weeks. So, but you work with the same almost numbers all the time, and you improve improve the speeds, uh, speed, and you improve uh, the the techniques and so on. But you are not challenged constantly. You you actually become happier and happier with those movements, yeah. and you have you have this uh, this uh, easiness and reserves. And before uh, you build the, the reserve, and before you your program changes and becomes harder but all those changes of the program and and, and daily adjustments of, of the weight is is created so you do too you don't do too much because today tomorrow you have to do another workout and you, and you, you cannot do it if your recovery is cut off so that's here let's spend a little bit time on the recovery so recovery is the wisdom that the total wisdom of how to train. A coach, every coach has to know recovery. So uh, how much load you put on a on an athlete and so that athlete next day improves the body a little bit but it's not too sore to train. So if it happens that the athlete wakes up in the morning and is too sore, that is not good. You right. have to uh, ease on the load. And then, but you cannot ease on the load too much because that athlete will not improve if yeah. it's not enough. So it's the masterpiece of a, of a coach that knows how much to load, not to get too sore and too painful, and uh, enough so so the progress happens. Yeah. And and that is the magic. That is the coach. And that coach has to adjust to everyone separately. So it's it's not an e it's e it's just easy to blow and and do until you are exhausted or you cannot do it. Yeah. yeah? But if you if you train a sprinter or a weightlifter or a pole vaulter, 
that is out of the question. You you cannot really imagine that Paul Volter go and jump and grab his stick, run another round and run again and do another repetition and do another repetition. It would be stupid, right? right. So that Paul Volter gets the whole full energy and he uh, he charges. It's three, four seconds. He's done with it. He needs three minutes to rest, yeah, to recover. And recovery here is, uh, is, is crucial. The, the more intense athletes, the more rest, the more recovery is needed. And then less can be put on because these athletes are uh, exerting everything. You know, like uh, Bolt after three, four seconds, can his heart can pound 200. And the weightlifter too, at a certain level, you put so much power into two, three seconds that your heart is like this. And and the heart goes from 200 to 130 to down to 80 or 90 within two, three minutes, and then you're uh, ready for another one. Cool. But if you cut that recovery, that you can imagine the pole vaulter, if you, if you that pulver there has to jump every one minute or a, a sprinter would come out every one minute after 10 seconds yeah after five seconds is not enough time to rest what would happen the records are going down after a while and the uh, sprinter becomes slower instead of faster so coaches you know learn where actually how much time is needed to recover and then chart again. Cool. How do people uh, learn more about you and find your work? Or do you work? You you still you you work with people directly, right? People can come actually here and work with you. I love to work with people. You know, <laughs> one, you know, coaching is like fantastic thing. I just just love to see it. You know, yeah. like I cannot imagine myself, you know, uh, selling millions of books and be rich and smoke a cigar in Hawaii. <laughs> Just, uh, I would I would use the F word, but uh, I will not use it. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, anyway, it's just like I <laughs> I love to progress. I, I just love to get better. You know, to progress, to become stronger, faster. You know, better skills. I just just love doing this. It's just like um, uh, that's the purpose of our life. You know, like humanity is better because we are we know more. You know, we. Uh, we learn how to make things. We learn how to heal in a better way. Yeah. We, we learn those things constantly. Yeah? So it, it comes from our experiences. So where is experience is here. Yeah, I, I, I take the athlete or a normal human being, whatever they want, and I make it better. I make it better daily, monthly. As I told you, I, I signed these contracts Junior. with my young athletes. I train athletes between five-year-old and 17 before they go to college. And all kind of athletes, gymnasts, uh, uh, swimmers, and uh, water polo, and, and tennis players, archers, uh, all kind of. They all need one thing, power. The skill, they get it wherever they are. For me, they get power. So I sign, but I know I cannot get power in a month or two or three. That's not enough to set up, right? So I need two years contract from every this young athlete. 
they sign two years with me, then I coach them. And usually after two years, they sign three years another one because that's the more time is needed to uh, for the uh, improvement. And watching for me, watching people getting better, it's nothing better in life. It's just this is it, you know. Like uh, it's like when I see people walking to the house, happy and stepping and then. You know, like like little fairies. <laughs> you know, sometimes you you see a a woman who was you know two hundred fifty pounds and becomes one fifty and stepping light and and before that she was barely walking and then she's stepping like a fairy tale. You know, like yeah. uh, so that makes me extremely happy. Just just like or athletes. You know, athletes. You know, athletes are athletes, you know, just like athletes like a, a weightlifter, like a um, fireman for me. A fireman, when fireman does uh, uh, something that is heroic, doesn't feel that way at all. It's just, I did my thing, you know, like uh, I'm not heroic. It's just, right. I did my thing, yeah? So it's just, it's kind of the same with athletes, you know, that they, they uh, if they uh, win, it's it's kind of a glory and thing. It's okay. It's just yeah, okay. But when the regular people you know get better, like uh, this woman who was the whole life collapsed on her and and she makes herself better and she changes her mind and she transform herself completely from enabled to uh, do almost anything in life, being completely depressed, to the person that is capable and, and happy, that's big. That's a lot of bigger than coaching world-class athletes. Right. It, it's just, it gives another thing something, like, uh, you know, uh, that somebody is needing you who has extreme weakness, I would say, that probably where it is, uh, oh, probably that's where it is. The the weakness, you know, the the weakness has to be there. And athletes, I usually they were weak, but they are uh, they are power driven. When regular people, they need to be inspired. They they need to be motivated. Uh, they need to be uh, like Jamie's uh, the uh, the. Restaurant uh, owner here and Bugs restaurant owner, you know, he said, "You, you raised me out my deaf bed, you know, deaf bed, you know. Mm. I understand it. It's like uh, I felt it. That's why I, I've written so much poetry because, you know, this 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 is a completely different uh, uh, kind of people when." They uh, they feel so weak and so much help they need, and to talk to these people to uh, help them to shift their mind to the better lifestyle is very gratifying. Uh, it's it's big. It's uh, it's something like raising solidarity in Poland. You know, solidarity was kind of the same way. Yeah. And website. Thehappybody.com. Happybody.com. Happy, yeah. Well. 
Cool. <laughs> Let's eat. All right. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> potatoes. Potatoes. Let's eat some potatoes. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. I really appreciate it. All right. Over and out. <laughs> Thanks, man. Align Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning into that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Some ways that you can support this podcast, one of which you can pick up an Align band, which is a heavy-duty resistance band. comes along with a door anchor and a carrying case and a video guide on how to mobilize those joints and integrate that body of yours. Really great stuff. You can be found at aligntherapy.com and also on amazon.com. Um, I wanted to thank once again Health IQ for supporting this podcast. Health IQ is a life insurance company that focuses towards people that are taking care of their bodies. So any type of athlete, folks that are paying attention to nutrition, pretty much anybody listening to this podcast, uh, they focus on lowering rates for you because you deserve it. You get up to 33% lower rates than the standard. You can see if you qualify at healthiq.com slash align. That's health IQ is in the letters IQ dot com slash align if you're a healthy individual and you got a family or some folks that you want to know that they're taking care of if you're not around that's the way to do it healthiq.com slash line um, thank you also so much for utilizing the amazon affiliate link on the right hand sidebar of the podcast page bookmark that thing anytime you purchase some crap on amazon purchase that crap through that link we get percentage of it costs you nothing and I think that's enough. Thank you guys so much for reviews on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Pow.